chapter thirteen of the book of this and that this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by kathleen the book of this and that by robert lind on coincidences an amazing story of coincidences appears in the westminster gazette during the boer war four men met by chance for the first time on the eve of some big action and the meeting was so agreeable that one of the men who had a bad two-shilling piece in his pocket divided it and gave each of the others a quarter as a memento of the evening immediately afterwards they separated and never saw or heard of each other again till a few evenings ago when a dinner was given in honour of somebody or other in birmingham the four men were friends of the guest of the evening and all of them turned up at the dinner where they recognised each other easily we are told because each of them was wearing his quarter florin on his watch-chain life is of course a series of coincidences but we never cease to be surprised as each new one happens and nothing can destroy their recurring freshness we may make mathematical calculations showing that there is a chance in a million that such and such a thing will happen but when it happens once in a million times it seems to us as marvellous as a comet we cannot get accustomed to the pattern of nature which repeats itself as daringly as the pattern in a wallpaper our fathers recognized this pattern and saw in it the weird craftsmanship of destiny we who believe in iron law which surely applies a rigid pattern are by a curious want of logic sceptics and we treat each new emergence of the pattern as a strange exception to scientific rule we cannot believe that nature arranged howlings of dogs and disasters in the stars to accompany the death of a caesar or a napoleon everything that we can call dramatic in nature we put down to chance and coincidence superstitious people confront us with instance upon instance of the succession of omen and event but we label these exception number one exception number two and so forth and go cheerfully on our way believers in omens tell us that some time before loud's trial and execution he found his portrait fallen on the floor and predicted disaster and they ask us to admit that this was more than a coincidence especially as there are a hundred similar stories they relate how the stumble of a horse proved as fatal an omen for mungo park as did the fall of a pitcher for loud one day before he departed on his last expedition to africa his horse stumbled and sir walter scott who was with him said i am afraid this is a bad omen omens follow those who look to them replied the explorer and set forth on the expedition from which he never returned luckily we have examples which suggest that park and not scott was right every one knows the story of william the conqueror's fall as he landed on the shores of england and how in order to calm the superstitious alarm of his followers he called on them to observe how he had taken possession of the country with both hands in the very fact of doing so of course 
he merely substituted one interpretation of an omen for another but if omens are capable in this way of opposite interpretations we are on the direct road to scepticism about their significance and so to a view that most events that appear to have been heralded by omens are simple coincidences one remarkable coincidence of this kind came to my ears the other day a man i know was suddenly dismissed from his post with three months salary in his pocket i happened to be talking about superstitions with him the same afternoon when he said it's all very well but only last week when i was in the country some one was telling fortunes by tea-leaves in the house where i was stopping and he turned to me and said old man there's a big surprise in store for you and i see some money in the bottom of the cup i shan't let them know this has happened he added as it might encourage them to be superstitious certainly when such a coincidence happens in our own lives it is difficult to believe that it is not a deliberate act on the part of nature nature we can see does concern herself with the minutest cell or atom of our being why not with these premonitory shadows of our deeds and sufferings many coincidences on the other hand admit of a less fatalistic explanation everybody has noticed how one no sooner meets a new name in a book that one comes on the same name in real life also for the first time i had not read mr forrest reed's novel the bracknells a week when on walking down a london avenue the same name the bracknells stared at me from a gate it is not easy however to conceive that destiny deliberately leads one into a suburban avenue to enjoy the humour of one's surprise at so trivial a coincidence it is a more natural conclusion that these names one begins to notice so livelily would still have remained unobserved were it not that they had acquired a new significance for one's eyes owing to something one had read or heard after all one can ride down the strand on the top of a bus for a month without consciously seeing a single name over a shop window but let any of these names become real to us as the result of some accident and it leaps to one's eyes like a scene in a play it is merely that one now selects this particular name for observation and ignores the others it is all due to the artistic craving for patterns i am inclined at times to explain the evidence in favour of the baconian theory of shakespeare as pattern-mongering those ciphers those coincidences of phrase and suggestion at such and such a line from the beginning or end of so many of the plays those recurrences of hoggish pictures are enough to shake the balance of any one who cannot himself go forward with a study of the whole evidence but as we proceed with an examination of the coincidences we find that many of them are coincidences only for the credulous it seems a strange coincidence that shakespeare and bacon should so often make use of the same metaphors and words but it seems strange only till we discover that plenty of other pre-shakespearean and elizabethan writers made use of them as well much of the baconian theory indeed is built not upon coincidence but upon pseudo-coincidence the fact that shakespeare died on the same day of the month 
or almost on the same day as that on which he was born is really a more interesting coincidence than any that occurs within the field of baconianism much the same may be said of the coincidences discovered by those who have at one time or another counted up the numerical values of the letters in the names of napoleon and gladstone and other leaders of men and found that they were equal to six 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 the fatal number of the antichrist in nearly every case the name has been distorted in its transliteration into greek in such a way as to make the coincidence no coincidence at all on the other hand there are some genuinely interesting coincidences in figures which have been recorded by various writers on credulity and superstition french history since the middle of the eighteenth century can almost be written as a series of figure-mongers coincidences it began with louis sixteen who came to the throne in seventeen seventy four by adding the sum of the ciphers in this figure to the figure itself seventeen seventy four plus one plus seven plus seven plus four the arithmetical diviners point out that you get seventeen ninety three the year of the king's death similarly the beginning of the french revolution foretold the end of the revolutionary period with napoleon's fall for if you add up seventeen eighty nine plus one plus seven plus eight plus nine you get eighteen fourteen the year of elba louis philippe's accession date eighteen thirty gives scarcely less remarkable results if you add to it the figures in seventeen seventy three the date of his birth eighteen thirty plus one plus seven plus seven plus three you get eighteen forty eight the date of his fall and flight it is the same if you add to his accession date the figures in eighteen o nine the date of his marriage here again eighteen thirty plus one plus eight plus zero plus nine results in eighteen forty eight and if you turn to his queen you find that the figures in her birth date seventeen eighty two lead up to the same fatal message eighteen thirty plus one plus seven plus eight plus two once more mount to the ominous figure the arithmeticians whose ingenuities are recorded in mr sharper nolson's origins of popular superstitions have unearthed similar significances in the dates of napoleon three they add the figure eighteen fifty two the date of his inauguration as emperor to the ciphers of eighteen o eight his birth date eighteen fifty two plus one plus eight plus zero plus eight and arrive at the fatal date eighteen sixty nine when the empire came to an end the empress eugenie was born in eighteen twenty six and married in eighteen fifty three and the ciphers in these dates to eighteen fifty two eighteen fifty two plus one plus eight plus five plus three or plus one plus eight plus two plus six and eighteen sixty nine appears once more but there is no need to go on with these quaint sums i have quoted enough to suggest the intricate and subtle patterns which the ingenious can discover everywhere in nature nature assuredly has provided us with coincidences so lavishly that we may well go about in amazement even the fiction of mr william lequeux 
is not quite so abundant in strange coincidences as the life of the most ordinary man you could see reading a halfpenny newspaper it is only in literature indeed that coincidences seem unnatural sophocles has been blamed for making a tragedy out of a man who unwittingly slew his father and afterwards unwittingly married his mother it is incredible as fiction but i imagine real life could give us as startling a coincidence even as that each of us is to use sir thomas brown's phrase africa and its prodigies we tread a miraculous earth which is all mirrors and echoes hints and symbols and correspondences each deed we do may for all we know be echoed and mirrored in nature in a thousand places even before we do it and i can imagine it possible that the shape of a man's fate may be scattered over the palm of his hand i am a sceptic on the subject and i see what a door is open to charlatanry if we admit the presence of too many meanings in the world about us but i am not ready to deride the notion that there may be some undiscovered law underlying many of the coincidences which puzzle us true if some one contended that a mysterious sort of gravitation was working steadily through the years to bring those four soldiers together again at the birmingham dinner i should be anxious to hear his proofs but i am willing to listen patiently to almost any theory on the subject no theory could be more sensational than the facts. End of chapter 13